welcome to a new episode of Latinidad in the Loo. I'm your host, Miguel Rincane. With me today, I have Nalini Mahadevan. She is the principal attorney at MLO Law uh, LLC. And hi, Halini. Hi, Anini. How are you? I'm very good. And thank you very much to the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for inviting us to speak with you today. And uh, to no. both of you, Miguel and pa pa Paula. No. Paula. Yeah, no. Uh, it's, uh, sorry. I was going to call you Pamela. Paula for, you know, uh, no, but it's hosting a, us. It's a pleasure to have you have you here today. Thank you very much for wanting to be a part of this. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to be talking about m many things today. We're going to talk about immigration and talk about visas. That's what you specialize in immigration and stuff. So let's get started about with just telling us a little bit about yourself for people who don't know who you are. Sure. So um, uh, our law firm, we are in, we have uh, three branches. Uh, we are in uh, St. Louis, which is our headquarters, and then uh, we are in Chicago, and now we are have uh, newly opened another area place in Atlanta. Um, uh, and uh, we practice in two areas, Im U.S. immigration law and estate planning, which is basically wills and trusts and things like that. And at okay. some point, I do want to talk about to immigrants about that as well. Because okay. once the first journey for an immigrant in my my book is you're so busy trying to come to this country and make sure you're legal and, you know, you've bought a house, you, you're going to school, got a job, you know, get married. Then the next step is what you, you have to start planning your life and everything you've yeah. acquired. Somebody has to get it legally. And so what do you do for that? So that's the second step. Yeah. So those are both very important. Yeah. Steps. No, like like you and I were talking uh, behind behind cameras, like, you know, someone as an a person as an immigrant to this in this country like you need to come with a plan right yes. what you say you need to come with a plan and yes. you need to i'm gonna do this this and this because right. it's really hard if you don't it's very hard yeah i think as immigrants we are all planners because think about it you've planned to come to the united states study here you've decided in your mind you're going to study something and then you've decided hey geographically i'm going to live in x x place and go to this university because that's what your dream was and you're trying to achieve that dream so if you've done so much planning i think the planning needs to go a little further back so my i always tell everybody start thinking about stuff when you're in high school maybe 10th grade really it really starts there because in most school systems overseas you're branching off into what you're going to study maybe in the sciences or technology or arts or humanities starts in 10th grade that's where you're branching off and that's yeah. where you're going to be un attending undergrad or yeah. doing 11th and 12th grade doing in this country we do ap's Overseas, we specialize, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's where you need to start. So if you really want to be on a, on, on a, in a, you know, in the arts fields, you need to be understand. Okay, if I'm in the arts field, what exactly do I want to do in that? Yeah. Or if I want to be an architect, what kind of architect do I need to be? Where do I want to go to school? How much do I want to spend? All those things. Yeah, like. Like you, and who's going to employ me? More important than anything <laughs> right? else. And right? uh, like you were, like you were talking about AP classes. Like I, it was the same way for me. I uh, I was lucky enough that I went to a bilingual school. Like it was like an American system, so uh -huh. I, I did have AP classes back in El Salvador. Right. But I was like always like, why would I take an AP class? You know? Yeah. It just never. But I, now now if I would have known back then what I know now. It would have saved me a lot of money but, in college. Yes, it would have yes. saved me a lot of money, a lot of yes. credits I would have been able to have already yes. had. And yes. so yeah, like just the planning and everything you say, it's it's very it's very important. And we as like young people, like we don't really right. 
in tenth grade, you at least I wasn't really <laughs> thinking about you know. Yeah, so. but <laughs> and that's the challenge, right? Yeah. So it's 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 a challenge between the, the you know the tenth grader who's like I don't want to do this and on the you know when you're 25, oh my God, I wish I'd done that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And save myself. A <laughs> so I mean, so if you went to you did APs then. I mean, if you get four or fives, you can definitely get college credits yeah. in the United States, especially yeah. since it's an American school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that could, instead of having to take 120 credits to graduate from you school. take less than from that, yeah. Le yeah, to take much less than that. And then you're not paying American dollars for that credit, yep. college credit. Yep. And that's, I think, that's some of the planning that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so um, other than, uh, the uh, next thing I want to talk, it, uh, the next planning is, um, like you said, you know, I know we're, but I'm just giving a very 30,000 yeah. overview of what the goal plan should be. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing that, then let's talk about, um, depending on where you're going, right? What kind, what you're studying. If it's one of the STEM uh, programs, um, then um, that STEM program uh, can give you three years of work experience in yeah. the United States yeah. on OPT or CPT. Um, I mean, depending on what it is, yeah. and so you, you, if you're doing that, then you want to be a, to make sure that okay, this is a STEM program. I have three chances at applying for an H-1B visa because unless if you're 80% of employers are for-profit companies, mm -hmm. so they're subject to the cap. So H-1B visas are either 60,000 for undergraduate undergraduates both foreign and domestic yeah. and 20,000 more for the master's degrees yeah. so <laughs> if you're lucky enough to have the master's in the US you have a slightly better chance of getting picked yeah. up in that camp yeah and for the for people who don't know stem is like the science science technology, yeah, technology engineering and math yeah. and that's and 3 years of opt right right that otherwise you get 1 year of opt yeah if it's a uh, non it's a bachelor's, like a Bachelor of Arts, that's one year. One year that, That's what I had. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's one year. Yeah. So, um, so that's the other thing. That's another thing that has to go into your calculation. Yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, let, let's just talk about, uh, I mean, since we're talking about young people, let's talk about um, what college you should go to. Yeah. So you should go to an accredited U.S. institution. That is generally the accreditation is by the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. um, you can also find accredited list of accredited uh, colleges on Customs and Border Patrol website. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, sorry, an ICE website. Okay. ICE website. Okay. Um, uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you go to those websites, you can find, uh, or don't forget what I said, just Google it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Google has the answer to everything. If you Google is my school accredited, it's very important to be accredited because if you're not, if your school is not accredited yeah. by, by, the, uh, by the immigration system, you can't apply for the H-1B. Yeah, and I've also, so I had some friends that I've also, because I've seen this where like they come here, but they don't go per se to like like a university right away. They go to like a community college or something to get to get their, their like genets to get their genets out of the way, mm -hmm. and then they apply to like what you said like an accredited. Oh yeah, you can do that University too. Yeah. too, and I feel like at the end that ends up saving you money. Yes, and a genet is oh, yeah. usually 
the same in any, whether it's Harvard or if it's a community college, like English right. 101 is probably gonna be the same. Yeah, so you know? that's a very good point, yes. Yeah. And you can go to community college. Yeah. Uh, make sure the community colleges issues what is called an I-20 mm -hmm. that enables mm -hmm. you, uh, the student to, to uh, qualify for a F visa. Um, mm -hmm. which they can apply for in the United States or overseas. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. generally now I'm telling if people, if you go now being COVID being what it is, mm -hmm. it's very hard to get, uh, you know, um, interviews overseas. So planning for that also is required, especially if you're okay. changing your status from one visa to the other in mm -hmm. the United States. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I remember when I applied for my student visa, I, I took my interview and stuff back in Osab there, but Correct. obviously that was seven years ago. Yes. So. With COVID now, everything has changed. Yes. So keep checking <clears throat> often, and every consulate is different. Every embassy mm -hmm. is different. Um, they all have different time schedules when the, of when they open up the um, interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Lately, uh, we are, you know they are they are actually trying to uh, give F visas and M visas vocational training okay. uh, more um, more uh, spaces, lots okay. slots for interviews. Okay. And uh, so going back to the students for a little bit, because I heard you say OPT and CPT, and I know that some people don't know what that is. Yeah. Can you can you explain this, that, sure. that for us? Sure. So OPT is optional practical training. Mm -hmm. And like the word, it is optional. You don't have to take it. CPT is curricular practi practical training. You only, you, you, you're um, eligible after f one year of school. Okay. And then you have, the school has to allow you to take it. Mm -hmm. Not all classes lends it lend itself to that so it's okay. a very much so you want to talk with the school ahead of time um, you don't want to take all your time in CPT because what happens is after school you if you have only one year of OPT you can't take the OPT okay so so like one wait wait so like once you've taken the CPT you can't take the OPT you can't take the OPT if you've if you've taken a whole year of CPT you cannot take OPT oh, so okay. you're so uh, look at that in a very um, so people need to know that people that, need to know that yeah because people they, need to know that one of the best uh, persons you can make friends with is the officer at the international office who runs the CVIS yeah. system which is the CVIS system is a system that um, that uh, uh, tracks every international student on a visa okay. in the United States. Oh, okay, okay. So if you're not on a green card or not on a conditional green card, anything else, if you're in this country, you have to be in some status to be able to go to school. Okay, okay. So why now, like we're talking about immig immigration and like visas and students and stuff like that, why did you decide to specialize in that? Oh, it's a very well. It's a it's a it's a funny story. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> I, I'm originally from India, so okay. via some other countries. But you know, uh, and I was at the Indian store buying some groceries, and I had uh, just started law school back here in this country. Okay. So um, and then um, this lady was uh, who owned the store was just, we were just chatting, and then she said to me, you know, they're no good in uh, in. Indian uh, immigration attorneys of Indian origin in in uh, St. Louis. Of course, I was not that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have. I mean, I, by that time, I was already passed. You know, I was already a citizen and things like that. So I okay. hadn't really thought about it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I thought to myself, Oh, really? She said, Yeah. You know, all of us would be feel so comfortable coming to you. <laughs> so I said, Oh. So I said, Oh. 
uh, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> so she said, yeah, we don't like to go to an attorney who knows, you know, our culture and knows how we speak. There are lots of us who don't always speak English. It's kind of nice for us to go to somewhere like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I said, okay. Um, and then, um, I mean, I didn't think much more about it. So, But then by the time I was in second year in, in, in law school, I kind of decided I'd maybe that's the path I want to go in. Okay. So, um, and of course, I mean, it didn't help that I was also an immigrant. And I, I mean, when I came to this country, I did my all my all my visas and green card papers and filed everything myself. I mean, this is pre 9-11, right? So things are much kinder, gentler, simpler. All the forms were instead of now, they were, every form is like 25 pages. Mm-hmm. In those days, like two pages. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was just so simple. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I feel like felt I could answer everything. I <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and I think that's how that's how the journey started. It's been mm-hmm. a 20 year long journey. Yeah. Yes, because after you said that, I, when I when I applied for my green card in my experience, I, I can imagine doing it on my own. I was like, even even with lawyer help, I still had trouble filling it out. <laughs> I was still yeah. like, wait, what does this mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah. I, I can understand it. So like, you know, we were talking about visas, like how can someone apply for a work visa? Because what, what we were talking earlier for me, when I came here, I thought in my mind before I ever like even stepped foot here, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go study. I have my, my student visa, I'm going to go study, I'm going to work, and I'm going to get a job, and then I'm just going to stay there. You know, that's that in my mind. And I know a lot of friends thought the exact same way that like, like that I did. So how can someone apply for a work visa? Because I know it's not that simple. No, I, I mean, I think people need to kind of like step back a little bit and understand this country. It is the biggest economy in the world. I mean, yeah. 20, 20 plus trillion economy, right? So um, that means there's a lot of employers here, and a lot of, and there are not enough local people to work for all these employers. So they're definitely looking for people from overseas because over people coming, immigrants coming to this country are very well qualified. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. really well qualified. I mean, you, it's <clears throat> almost like you know, you're if you want to come to this country, you need to have something in the bag that you want to show that is, makes you different mm-hmm. and more qualified than everybody else. Yeah. But that having been said, there are on the number of visas available for these categories is much is very limited. So, for instance, the workhorse of uh, working in this country, that visa is called an H-1B visa. Mm-hmm. And the way these visas get all their uh, names is from the section in of the law. So the okay. a, a, uh, that, that particular section is called H. And so H visas, all the H visas come under that particular section. So the okay. H-1B visa, that's the section number actually, um, oh, okay. is, is the visa that you would apply for for in order to work in this country for a U.S. employer. Okay. Now, if you're working for a U.S. employer overseas, you do not need a visa. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're working overseas. It's only when you are physically located in the United States mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. need the visa. So, so I mean, last year, what, they were... So, like I said, if you have a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. either from the U.S. or from overseas, then you will you you have there about sixty-five thousand visas. Okay. Are they, those like yearly, like sixty-five thousand? Every year every there year. are sixty-five thousand visas. Okay. okay. Now you have a master's degree from a U.S. university. There are twenty thousand more visas. So oh, I mean, okay. so the journey you also need to start thinking about. Okay, if I'm coming to the U.S. to study, some people what they do is they do their undergraduate overseas mm-hmm. because it's just financially much simpler to do yeah, that, yeah. and then come here for a master's, mm-hmm. and then do three years of OPT. 
-hmm. if it's a STEM or one year yeah. OPT and apply for the H-1B okay. during that time. Okay. What, uh, what can you say, like what requisites would you, like when you see someone, X, X person, when you see it and you, and you look at his paperwork or her paperwork, you're like, this is a good candidate. What do you see in that, in that, what requirements do you think, oh, you should apply because I think you're going to get it because of these requirements? Okay, so the three, uh, definitely three or four things. First, um, that that person is in status. That means that person's visa uh, isn't a visa for which they can change from that visa to the H-1B visa in the United States. Now, if they cannot do that, if their visa running out of visa time, they need to go overseas, then they need to apply for an interview overseas if they are picked. Okay, okay. So the, everything is dependent on if they are picked. Uh -huh, okay. okay. So, um, so the H-1B starts with, uh, so you talked about qualifications. Mm -hmm. So the job duties what are the job duties of that h1b i mean what is this position they're going for you can call that person salesperson okay mm -hmm. but salesperson can be very technical for instance it can be an engineering salesperson mm -hmm. who is extremely specialized maybe uh, in uh, in storage tanks mm -hmm. i mean it's so specialized you can't learn about storage tanks or what the storage cans can do and what kind of you know you can't learn all that yeah. just by experience you have to go to school to learn okay yeah. so h20 requires that when you are applying for a job your undergraduate should match what that job is so for instance a tanks person will be a mechanical engineer say mm -hmm. then they should have gone to school for mechanical engineering so an aerospace engineer cannot be applying for that job oh okay so aerospace engineer should stick to some place like maybe like uh, airplane company like mm -hmm. boeing or some or mcdonald douglas or some of those one of those companies yeah but they cannot be applying to <clears throat> anheuser-busch for a tech job oh. although the undergraduate shows that they have done a lot of tech work because now basically most engineering now is some kind of software mm -hmm. hardware mm -hmm. that kind of combination right okay. um they can't do that. Immigration so, doesn't allow that. So when you yeah, so when you say they can't do that, it's like like they legally can't do that. Oh no, they can legally do it if they had legal status in this country. Okay. They can apply for any job. Okay. But it, it all this if you are applying for an H one B visa, then these are the restrictions. Okay. Okay. So there's some of the things. So therefore, you should be educationally qualified, mm -hmm. documentarily qualified. That means uh, you have to have a visa that allows you to change your status from that visa, say from an F visa, mm -hmm. student visa, to an H-1B visa. Mm -hmm. okay. But even before that, now they have, there's a new, new system by which you apply for registration. So um, you have to register before, usually it's in the first two weeks of March. Okay. So usually between like the 10th and the 26th or something like that. And then, um, then you then you apply, uh, saying uh, they uh, apply there. You have to be sponsored by an employer. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. can't go just. Uh, yeah, you can't no. just by yourself. So, so yeah. what happens is when you re when you register, when your company reg your potential employer registers you, mm -hmm. then you know if you get picked up in that cap, mm -hmm. then you can apply for a full for the full application. Okay. 
So you 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 said picked, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I've heard about like a raffle. Uh, yeah, it's a lottery. Is it's that lottery. what it is? How yeah. does that work? It's a lottery. Is it just literally just? No. So the, as as all the registrations come mm -hmm. in, they put it in. They basically it's all electronic now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they will pick. Like the, yeah, they'll pick yeah. sixty thousand or sixty five thousand. They pick actually more visas, more persons, and there are visas because some people either don't apply mm -hmm. or you know then they get uh, you know they get denied or for some reason they are not they don't get the h1b so mm -hmm. for so they always always have more people so nowadays i think couple last year and year before last they picked they picked again in july and in october again okay. so they saw but i think they issued 10000 more or something like that okay. but it's still the cap is still 65000 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah okay so for people who don't know you can't just you come here, you work here, and like you, you decide to stay. It's not you, like even if you're really good at your job, it's at the end of the day, it's luck. Let's put it, it that it, way. Yeah, it is luck. Yeah. So I mean, so the other, the, so the other. I mean, I want to talk about other than H1B. There's some other visas, yeah, particularly for certain people who come from certain countries. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, we have a treaty between uh, Mexico, U.S., and Canada. Mm -hmm. So if you're born not uh, born in Mexico, U.S. or Canada, or are a citizen of that country, you're allowed to apply for what is called a TN visa. Okay. So TN visa, there are no caps. And under that particular treaty, there are very particular um, occupations that can apply. Okay. Like just specific? specific? No, yeah, there's very specific, specific occupations, certain uh, tech occupations, certain, you know, uh, uh, so in, for instance, I mean, if you are a doctor from Canada and you want to come here to work on a TN visa, you cannot. You can come and do research. You may be in a research institution. You can apply for mm -hmm. a student visa or something like that, but you cannot come to work for, you know, for a now for a for-profit company as a doctor. Okay. So, so that's why I'm saying so um, you uh, I mean if, if you're doing it so you have to be uh, there are some uh, occupations that uh, I mean we can go through the list of occupations and we can spend some time on it yeah. and uh, in another podcast mm -hmm. about discussing those visas because because of Mexico being involved I would like to discuss it a little more mm -hmm. okay. persons who are you know might be interested in that yeah absolutely. and that you know there are a lot of people, very qualified people there who would yeah. want to come and you know work yeah yeah, yeah but I think Australia also has a carve out for Australians to come and okay. uh, uh, come and um, part of the H1B is kept for Australians to come and work over here. Yeah, I feel like sometimes that's also another problem that there's a lot of options and like we're we are just told like one option. Yeah, like I was just told OPT uh, uh, H1B. H1B visa. That's yeah, all totally. Don't be you know? because <laughs> because. Um, that if you're not many of these other carve-out countries and you're from uh, El Salvador or Costa Rica or any of those places, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So... Like, I, I have some friends from Venezuela and I'm not exactly sure what type of visa it is or what, but just be, be, but the, but because they're from Venezuela, they are allowed to stay. They, TPS. They, yeah, I think that's what it temporary is. Temporary protected status. But, yeah. but by the word, don't understand. It's temporary protected mm -hmm. status. Okay. So it can be taken away at any time. Okay. And you can work with those though, right? Yes, you, yeah. can, you can apply for an employment mm -hmm. authorization mm -hmm. with that. And so based on that, you can work with it. Okay. And it's, you know, for different countries, val valid for different amounts of time. Okay. You have to keep checking, you know. 
the and website, the USCIS website. And those have to be, those are given because the country that you're from has had some problems, right? Because I remember generally, generally, yes, during yes, the war, that's kind of Haiti how it was. had it. A lot yeah. of other other countries have had it. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. They're trying to do something for Ukraine now. Okay. They're trying to do something special for Afghan refugees. Yeah. So, you know, there's a new, for Afghan refugees, there's a system called Hummingbird that they're trying to, you know, implement. Um, so temporary protected status for 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 countries which are in trouble, for which you know people are fleeing the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, and uh, well, I think it's been great. We've talked about student visas. We've talked a little about work visas. Talked about your life. Talked about why you decided to be a, a immigration lawyer, but. This is the end of our of our first podcast. You guys, we're gonna have a second podcast with Nalini where we're gonna talk about other things. I wanna talk about E-Verified that we, we didn't discuss right now. We wanna sure. talk about different visas, the other, uh, the Mexican, the Canadian and the US treaty that we talked about. So uh, don't don't miss our next episode of Latinidad in the Lou where we'll still be talking with Nalini and I am Miguel Rincan and we'll see you guys in the next one. <laughs>